Good morning. It's good to see all of you here today, and even as I look across our worship center, I see some faces I haven't seen in a while, and so I'm just so glad that you're here. just want to say welcome back and welcome home to you. Can we give them a hand for being here? That's true. I can see you guys. I know some people don't think I can see people's faces. I just can't read print, but I can see faces. And those of you that are joining us online, we're so glad we have the technology to be able to do this. And now we have these like roaming camera people here, which is fun for you guys, right? To give you all the different camera angles because we love you, we support you. So anything that we can do for you, please uh, continue to reach out and let us know. Uh, today, if you're new, if this is your first time here, you've been here the last couple of weeks. Uh, my name's Tim. I get the privilege of being the lead pastor. And we love doing sermon series, which is just a series of messages based on either a book or a letter in the Bible. There's 66 books or letters in the Bible. And so we've been on this journey for the last three weeks. Today is week four, where we've been going through First Peter. And all of this information, you can kind of chart it out. It's actually available on our app or on our website. Here's a screenshot of our app. And we just encourage people to actually read the passage of Scripture before they come here today. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands how many of you read today's passage before you came here today. One person, I won't say her name, she's very close to me, uh, she lives in my house. Um, <laughs> she said that sometimes she doesn't like to read the passage because she likes to be surprised by what I'm going to say. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to get in trouble for that. But you should not do that. You should come, pre-read the passage, and be ready to go. So now it's my, it's my responsibility, right, to read it to her before she comes. Amen? Men in this room that are married, Amen. I didn't get, well, we'll see how that goes. Um, so we're already up to week four. We are going to be talking about living in freedom today. We're going to be doing 1 Peter chapter 2, 11 through 15. Now, those of you with kids, you know that your kids are learning the same exact Bible passage. I'll even tell you the key verse that they're going to be focused in on today that are in the kids program. Those of you that are joining online, you might not be ready to bring your kids back to the kids program, but I want to remind you that every Sunday an email goes out from our kids ministry where they too can watch a video. They too can interact and have their own uh, small group time online. So make sure if you're not coming to in-person worship that you're connecting online with our kids and our kids ministry that way. Sound good? All right, so let's get right into it today. We're going to be Second Peter. Uh, if you want to grab the chair Bibles that are in front of you, if you're in the front row, they're underneath the seat. If you are watching online, go ahead and get up and grab the Bible that's in your house, or you can click the Bible tab that's right in the chat if you happen to have the chat on your computer and type in 1 Peter chapter 2. And again, we are going to get through all of these verses. And just as I mentioned last week, there's so much rich content in Peter. And again, this could easily be just these few verses because it easily be a three-part sermon series and so I'm going to do everything I can to keep us moving along, keep us in God's word. So I'm going to talk fast, so I need you to listen fast. How's that sound? Amen. We all ready for that? So just put away any other distraction that you may have. And we just pray now, God, open our minds and open our hearts to whatever it is that you want to speak through your word to our hearts today. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Now, I also want to say, as we turn to this portion of Scripture, uh, that these next two weeks are going to be a little different, okay? Some of you, it's going to make you uncomfortable. Some of you, you might not like what the Bible 
says. And you may struggle. And this is why, just so you know, I love when we do books or letters of the Bible. is because you can't blame me. Because <laughs> I didn't write it. And even though we're looking at Peter, one of Jesus' closest disciples, really, ultimately, it is God who wrote this. God is the one that inspired Peter to write these words to a bunch of churches in Asia Minor nearly 2,000 years ago, and it's always amazing and humbling to see how the words are still effective for us today. So I want to give you that warning. Is that fair enough? Aren't you glad you're in a safe space? And so if everyone starts getting up halfway through, I just know it's not me, because I'm just doing my job, which is preaching God's word. Amen? Amen? All right, so let's get into this so we can see who gets uncomfortable today. Verse 11, beloved, because he's talking to the church, he loves the church, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Now remember that, I italicized that on purpose, we'll get to that at the end of the message. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Now, oftentimes, Gentiles were used to describe a certain type of people. You had Jews and Gentiles living at this time. Sometimes Gentiles was a word that was used to describe unbelievers. And so in this context, he's just saying, hey, as you are out there, if you're a follower of Jesus, and you know there's people that maybe they're agnostic or they're atheists or they believe in something else, you got to be making sure that you guard your soul. Keep your conduct among them honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, and the reason he's saying that is because at this time there was a lot of false accusations made against Christians. Not only by Nero, who was the ruler, but by other people because Christians were just under intense persecution. And so they would make up rumors, false accusations. And so he's telling them so that when they speak against you as evildoers, look at what it says, they may see your good deeds and glorify who? They glorify God, not you. Like, oh, I went out and did all these good deeds or I went and I helped with the wave project, or I bought some you know, underwear or socks or clothes or whatever to do that, and so now I'll pat myself on the back. No, they see the good deeds and they glorify God on the day of visitation. Now this day of visitation is just another way that Peter's describing the day in which Jesus Christ, who sits at the right hand of God the Father, will get the nod from God to come back to this earth to get his church once and for all. And we cannot wait for that day to come, amen? We, we eagerly await that day. We hope that we get to see that in our lifetime. And so that's how this whole thing opens up. Now, if you were here a few weeks ago, you might remember 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in the first few verses, he also calls us exiles. And so sometimes when Scripture repeats itself, when, when there's an emphasis on, I really want you to know this, it should force us to pause and ask, Why? Peter, why is it so important that you tell us that we are exiles? Now, you might remember there's other translations of the Bible that use different words. Some people, some translations use the word alien. I like the word alien. I think it's kind of cool to just brace that if you're a follower of Jesus, you are an alien. <laughs> this is not your home. Okay? I know you're on this planet, and you're on this planet for a short period of time, because remember chapter 1, he talked about how we're like blades of grass, that we're here for a very short period of time, but this isn't our home. Our ultimate home is in heaven with Jesus forever and ever and ever. Amen? Here's what I know about our church. I don't think we've all fully embraced that we're aliens, that we're sojourners, that we're exiles. 
I believe so often our human heart wants to, to, to build a kingdom or to build a life here on earth that we can control. And so we just hold on to all of our possessions, our worldly possessions, and we lose sight of the fact that this isn't home. This isn't our final resting place. It's in heaven with God. And so I know some of you are visual learners, right? How many of you are visual learning this morning? And so I know there's a lot of text, and sometimes it can get real wordy, and our team here, they, they always are great at reminding me, hey, make sure you remember not everyone learns just from text by visualizations. So this morning, I thought maybe this could help us. Maybe just maybe this could help us fully embrace our alien nature. Are you ready for this? But I need your help, okay? So I went and I looked up some movies and some TV shows that highlighted aliens. Any of you, don't raise your hand, you were around in the 50s? You are around in the 50s? Okay, we're gonna start with you this morning, okay? Do any of you remember this movie? Say it out loud. The Day the Earth Stood Still. Do you remember the plot of the movie? That this alien ship, isn't it so cool, landed in Washington, D.C.? And this actually isn't the alien, it's the alien's robot. The alien was this soft-spoken man that, that landed on Earth, supposedly, and was there to tell everyone what they were there to do. And because these guys all had their guns and everything, he brought out this robot, and it, like, melted all their guns and all of that stuff. Aliens, right? We've been talking about aliens for a long time. How about this one? <laughs> Who's the alien? Mork. And what planet is he from? Oh, wow, really good. And what was his favorite thing to say? <laughs> Apparently you guys are all up on your TV guide stuff here. And what happens? She welcomes him into her home, and she's the one who teaches him how to live on planet Earth. Maybe some of you are familiar with this movie. I mean, who doesn't like E.T., right? If there's any kids in here, you're probably like, man, what in the world? You're so old. What are these movies? Where did they come from? Don't worry. I got three more that are coming at you. This one, maybe, maybe not. You guys remember this show? Kids in the room, look at this picture. Which one is not like the other ones, right? <laughs> That's not the, the family dog or the family I don't ant eater, whatever the heck he is. He is an alien. Okay, kids, you still with me? All right, these next two, I'm going to need your help on. Can you guys help me with this? What is this one? Oh, a lot of kids at heart in here, apparently. Or a lot of Disney people. You know who you Disney people are. Lilo, what is it? Lilo and Stitch. And the alien is? All right, all right. Last one, and this one's for my boys because they're obsessed with this. Who's this guy? Rogu, right? Someone said that, a kid said at the first service, and I was like, I didn't even know that was his name. I thought he was called Baby Yoga. So, but it's Yoda, not Yoga. Baby Yoda, because I don't watch Star Wars. So, all of these, if you could pick one that you identify with the most, which one would it be? And then I want you to think of this. I honestly, you're going to think I'm crazy. I want you to think of it like this. How do you live your life in view of being an alien on this planet? That you are a child of God, that your ultimate authority is God who created you, who sent his son Jesus to redeem you, who has sanctified you through the Holy Spirit 
that lives inside of you. This is not your home. And so every day when you wake up and you look at your house, or you look at your cars, or you look at your possession, realize it's just for a time. That at some point it's all going to be gone. At some point somebody else is going to buy it. At some point somebody else is going to use it. At some point your bank account is going to be transferred to another person. How do we live in view of what Scripture actually tells us over and over and over again? And then here's my other challenge. Why do we spend so much time and energy trying to fit in? Man, it got quiet at 9 o'clock too. If we're really aliens, if we're foreigners, if we're exiles, why do we spend so much time and energy, man, throw money in here as well, trying to fit in? Again, our call is to God and what he has placed us on this earth to do. And if we're still on this earth, that means he still wants to work in and through us to be salt and light in the world that more and more would come to the saving knowledge of him so that when they close their eyes in this life, they will open them up in the next and they will see Jesus face to face too. That is our mission. That is our passion. That is the target on the wall for each and every one of us. Amen? Amen. Now, some of you are like, well, this doesn't seem so bad. Where's the controversial part? Like, it's okay, it's coming. You ready? This is where it's coming. Verse 3, given the society we live in, this is what he says next. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. And no one said amen after that scripture reading either. We don't like, your, are you clearing your throat because you don't like the scripture or you're just clearing it because you got something in there? Right? This scripture's tough, right? Well, I don't want to be subject to anybody. I don't like people telling me what to do. Wait a second, I thought I had my independence. I thought that I had my freedom. You do have your freedom and you're going to see how Peter wraps this in in a few verses later. But it's interesting because this isn't an idea. This isn't a suggestion. This is actually a command that we are to be subject and we are to be subject for the Lord's sake, okay? It's for his sake to every human institution. That means whatever government God has placed over us, that not only are we aliens, but we're aliens because we're children of God and we're in God's family, but now God has also called us to be citizens of the places in which he's placed us and the communities in which he places us. And so if you live in Shelby Township, we have a supervisor here in Shelby Township. If you live in a city, you have a mayor. And so there's local governments that have been orchestrated and ordained by God. There are state government officials, correct? We have a governor, we have representatives, we have a senate, we have all of these people that are working on our behalf. We have a national government, we have a president, we have a vice president, we have a congress, we have all of these people that have been put in their positions, in their places for our good to work hopefully according to what God's will is for us in moving our country forward. But yet we know we live in a fallen sinful world. We know that we're fallen sinful human beings. We know that every institution on the planet in some way, shape, or form is political. Amen? And that's the rub. That's the tension. And so people read this, and it's like so easy for me just to skip over this and go, let's read the 12 because this makes us uncomfortable, and let's just go to the end of Peter and talk about Jesus, and then we can all go get our coffee and donut and be done with the day. 
but I don't believe that's what God wants for us or what's even best for us. And you might be saying, well, that's, that's cute that Peter wrote this, but is it anywhere else in God's word? And it's interesting because if you go over to the book of Romans, which Paul wrote, and he's writing to the, to the Romans at the time, he says this, the believers, he said, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities, resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur what? And there's people all the time that are suffering, that are suffering the consequences of this. Let me ask you this question. Is it a sin to speed? I see some heads going this way. <laughs> Who set the speed limit? Who knows? Well, if we don't know who set the speed limit, why do we obey it? Nobody knows who set the speed limit? Is it a sin to run a red light? Oh. Is it a sin to run a stoplight? Then why do we do it? Why do we do it all day long? Just sinners out there going 2, 5, 10, 15 miles over the speed limit. Sinners all day long, right, that don't stop, actually make a full stop full stop, two-second stop at a stop sign. You know who you are, and you roll right on through. This is why when we have confession, just so you know, and we're going to do it at the end of this service, we always confess our sins, those that we say, and even the ones that we don't say. God, get it all out. Get it all out. We want to get it all on the table before you. Yes, it is a sin, but no one ever wants to talk about it. No one ever wants to go there. It's true, like God has orchestrated to put these things in place. We have speed limits to keep us safe. We have stop signs and stoplights and all of those things to keep us safe. So you imagine sometimes for Christians, right, all of a sudden like, well, we know who we are and we're Christians and I'm gonna stand on God's word and I know who my God is and no one else is gonna tell me what to do except for God. And so you go 90 miles an hour down the freeway and all of a sudden you look in your rearview mirror and there's these red and blue blinky lights and the police officer pulls you over now, here's your, here's your first chance to come honest, right? Because usually they ask you, do you know why I pulled you over? And I would say most people lie. <laughs> I have no idea. I, I, I no, I certainly didn't do anything wrong. I mean, talk to police officers. We have some in our congregation, right? They're members here. They'll tell you. It's funny to listen to some of the stories that people make up. And imagine saying back to the police officer, you don't understand, I am a child of God. My pastor told me I'm an alien. I report to a higher power. You don't have any right to give me a ticket. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Get out of my windshield. <laughs> What's going to happen to you? Hopefully he's calling the, the mental hospital and having you admitted because what are you thinking in that moment? Right? And that's the tension that we live in. So here's what I want to tell you, right? Okay, pay attention, because some of you are like, where is he going, and what is he doing, and my blood pressures are already getting, you know, heated up this morning. For the believer, Christians are citizens of two kingdoms, okay? Now follow me here. God rules the worldly kingdom through secular government by means of the law. This has been going on since the beginning of time. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament. There's so many scriptures you can point to where God put people under governments, even oppressive governments. 
But God also rules the heavenly kingdom through what's called the gospel, the good news, what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross by stretching out his arms, by taking the sins of the world upon his shoulders and dying and rising from the dead for you and for me. And so this is the tension we live in. It's between these two circles, these two worlds, and maybe one day we'll do a whole sermon series because there's a whole lot of background that we could dig into on this one slide. But here's what you need to know as a follower of Jesus. You can never be asked to do something that's against your conscience. And the reason is, it's because God created you. He redeemed you through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, which means the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. And God's spirit testifies with your spirit. And so all throughout time, if there is something that comes down the pipeline from the government, or there's something that comes down the pipeline from your place of work, and there's a check in your spirit, not just because you don't want to do it, but there's a legitimate check in your spirit, you can consciously say there's something that's not right here. There's something that I need to grapple with. There's something that I need to further investigate in this moment and in this time. And I know a lot of you, you're, you, there's so much confusion out there and there's so many things that, that, that you're worried about and emails that are going back and forth. And what does this look like for you and for me? Here's what I used to always tell students when I did student ministries, all the years I did student ministry. It was very simple. I would tell them this all the time. I said, students, I know it's tough being in the home with your parents. And parents, I know it's tough when you have teenagers in the home, Right? Ultimately, what do teenagers want? They want freedom. They just don't understand how to get it. And so I would always tell students, if you want freedom, you have to start by respecting your parents. If you respect your parents, it paves the way for trust. And if your parents trust you, now all of a sudden they will give you the freedom that you so desperately desire. But if you keep proving that you can't be trusted and you keep going against what they've asked you to do, then they're going to feel that they're not respected and you'll never end up getting what you ultimately want in life. And so I would always encourage them, stay under the radar. Listen to them when they're talking to you. Engage them. Don't roll your eyes. Don't argue. Don't do this. Don't do that. Just listen. They're here on the planet for a purpose. God put you under their care, under their authority. Listen to what they're saying. Trust me, this works. It's a simple thing. For us as followers of Jesus, okay, God, if you're saying first we come under your authority and then we come under the authority of the governments that we have, you want us to be good citizens, we can do that. We can do that by also keep, keeping sober minds, by looking at what's taking place in our culture and in our times, and we can say, okay, there's things that they're asking us to do. We all agree that we shouldn't speed. We all agree we shouldn't run through stop signs. We all agree we should stop on their school buses. All those things or whatever else it is, don't murder people. God says that the government says the same thing. Okay, we can get aligned with that. It's probably a good one. What do we do, God, then, to live in this realm that you've placed us in? How do we live with this tension of trying to navigate and figure out, God, who have you called me to be? How is it that I can continue being a presence and a force for you, light and salt in our world? This is the answer. Look at what he says next. For this is the will of God. Use your brain. Use your brain, okay? That by doing good in what you say, in how you act, in what you post, we'll get to that in a moment, you should put to silence 
the ignorance of foolish people. Isn't that awesome? That people would actually see your life and say, you know, there's something different about him. Something a little off about her. There's this peace that they have. They don't seem to get so stressed out about when things in the world get shaken up or turned upside down. They seem to listen more than they talk. They seem to care about the other coworkers that we have at our company. They seem to be really led by something else. Wonder why that is. Hey, I heard maybe they go to that church and they follow Jesus. It's interesting because it seems like they're always out serving others. I heard maybe they even give a portion of, of their money to help others and they go in and, and they bless others and they don't just seem to be fixated on building their own kingdom here on earth, but they actually want to help and, and invest in others and invest in our communities and invest the, in those that, that maybe they don't need a hand out, they just need a hand up. Man, I wonder if that would silence those who are persecuting people. I want you to think of this in the context of Peter. I told you last week, he was in a time and a place when a guy named Nero was leading the world. Nero assumed his office at 17 years old. Who would ever give someone that age that kind of power? Hello, right? Nero was nuts. The things that he did to Christians, the creative ways in which he came up with to persecute them and so many times murder them, and they had a stand for truth. They had a stand in their faith. So many times what they dealt with. And here you have a guy who understands persecution, who understands what it is to live in a multifaceted world, and he's saying, man, do good. Stand your ground. Stand firm on God. Stand firm on who you are, but also be a good citizen of where you have been placed, as long as it doesn't go against your conscience. Does that make sense? Are you hearing me this morning? All right, because here's the key verse. And parents, this is the key verse for your kids today. It says, live as people who are free. It's what we want, right? We want freedom. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Here it is again, that we serve God. And the way that we serve God is we serve others. But what is he getting at? That we know that we're free. We're free from sin, death, and the devil because of what Jesus did on the cross. We're free from sin, death, and the devil because he emptied that tomb, and that tomb is empty to this day. We do live in freedom. We do have freedom in Christ. So God, now, how do we stay under that radar? How do we live a life in not covering up our things with evil? Because this is what happens. People get disgruntled. People get dismayed. People believe that the world's actually going to get better, and it's not. Scripturally, things are going to get worse. And so what happens is sometimes we let things out that we shouldn't. We say things at family gatherings or among, among friends. We post things on social media, and we vomit out all of this nastiness. And who's watching? Who's scrolling? Who's seeing all of that stuff that's coming out of us? And he's saying, no, 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 that's not how you should live. Christians in this time, we know, we know your businesses are, are being ignored. We know that there's false accusations being uh, 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 held against you. We know some of you are even getting pulled off into prison. Some of you are even losing your lives for the gospel. 
Well, man, you stand firm in who you are in Christ. You continue to, to do what it is that God has called you to do each and every day. And so look at this. This is so interesting how he ends this part. He says, honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. You gotta say it twice. Again, every time somebody says something more than once, they're trying to drive home the point. Well, honor everyone. Well, we should have this one down, right, Shepherd's Gate? I mean, our, the first part of our vision statement is value everyone you meet. And here we are one year and, and six months into our new vision statement, and I know that you all agree with this, correct? And you're all doing it everywhere you go. <laughs> trying. Okay, thanks, Tim. You're trying. How about love the brotherhood? What's love the brotherhood? What do you think that means? So the brotherhood in this text is the church. We get to love each other. Look around this room. There's a lot of love in this room. You're not an alien alone. God gave you other crazy people to walk this journey with. Other followers of Jesus, other other people that are going to say, you know what, we're going to stand up for truth and we're going to stand up for what is right and we're not going to back down from what scripture teaches and we're going to try everything that we can to, to live the life that God has called us to live on this earth. We get to mourn with those who mourn. We get to rejoice with those who rejoice. We get to be part of this incredible family that God has brought together. Let's continue to love each other. Fear God. We know that this means we respect God. We respect the authority of God. We respect his word. We respect that he's the creator. We're the creation. We recognize what it is that he is doing in our world and in our lives. And then again, honor the emperor. How do we honor the emperor. What would be a good start? And just put all of our government officials, all those that God has placed above us in this category. What would scripture tell us? Oh, someone said it. Who said it? You get the credit. Oh, Adam said it. Pray. Pray for those in those positions. God, we pray for our local officials. We pray for our state officials. We pray for our national officials. When was the last time, honestly, be honest this morning, that you consciously prayed for a political leader? Now, you know I like to be transparent. I have my flaws too. One of the things that sometimes I may get carried away with are sharing memes with other people. Okay? Sometimes they're funny. God convicted my heart this week on this one, just so you know. Sometimes they're funny, and they're just memes to be funny, and in other times, they're not very honoring to maybe a political leader here or there that I don't like. Oh, man, my wife's laughing, see? <laughs> you can, it's getting hot. Is anyone else getting hot? <laughs> Air conditioning stopped working? But see, this is when you allow the word of God to convict your heart. This is when we allow God to convict our minds because if we just keep going on, this, on, the, on these things of just constantly mulling over, it's never going to get better, it's never going to get better, it's never going to get better. Our lives are miserable. All we do is become complainers. We live day in and day out complaining. Guess what? The government's never going to fix our problems. The local, the national, the state, they're never going to fix our problems. Did you know that? The only one that can, fish, can fix our problems is Jesus Christ. He is the only source of our strength and our hope. And so I know that's why I stopped watching the news. I even stopped scrolling Facebook most of the time. I go on there every once in a while because I just get so sick and tired of it. I want to be in God's word. I want to hear what he has to say. And I'm so glad we have reminders like this in scripture. 
Like, God, do it. Do the heart surgery that needs to be done in our hearts. May we leave this place, whichever way we came in, different than when we came in here today because we came in contact with God's word. Amen? Amen. Watch what he says next. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Now there's a lot in this one as well. And here he is. He's talking about people that that are working and they're moving in their communities and they're under other people's authority. Here in our time and place, it would be those of you that are working for companies. You have supervisors or you have business owners. Some of you, God has placed in leadership positions. You get to be your own boss or you have people that serve under you, or maybe you're in middle management, so you're in the tension of trying to please the ones above you, but you know that you also have a responsibility to the ones below you. Let me ask you this morning, how's your heart? What are the things that are coming out of your mouth? What are the actions of the people that you work with? What is it that they are seeing in you? Are you being a good citizen? Are you being a good employer? Are you being what God has called you to be right there in your workplace? And I know it's tough. I know, again, it's hard to navigate. I know there's things that come down here like there's no way these people are off their rocker and there's no way I can get on board with this. And you're trying to navigate these difficult seasons and circumstances that you're in. Again, I would tell you, it's no different from what they dealt with back then. It's no different in them trying to figure out how to, you know, maneuver all of these things in view of who Christ is in their lives. It's kind of interesting when you think about this because everyone's fine respecting someone that's a good boss, right? But it's a whole different level to have to subject yourself to someone who's unjust. Someone that maybe doesn't talk nice to other people or maybe mismanages funds or maybe doesn't treat their employees the way that they should. Again, those of you in leadership positions, the guard that you have to have over your heart and your mind as you minister to those below you, while at the same time, the tension of ministering and being a witness to those that are above you. I am not saying that this is easy. I would never say that this is easy. But God has called us to do that. He says this, for what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? Basically what he's saying, we all deserve the penalty of our sins. If you sin and you do something wrong, you should pay the consequence. But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. He knows what you're going through. He sees how difficult it can be at your place of work. He sees the struggles that, you're, that are taking place in our society. For this too, you have been called because Christ also suffered. Oh yeah, remember him? He also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. And this is the tough part, right? Because when we become followers of Jesus, we want everything to be fun and joyful and cheery. We don't want the persecution part, right? God, why, can you just take that out of the equation? I mean, I know you told the disciples and you know, 11 out of the 12 ended up dead. Can you just skip our generation? We don't want to have to go through hardships. We don't have to go through persecution. But Jesus said in this life, you will have what? Trouble. Take heart, I've overcome the world. 
This is interesting too because he goes on to tell us who our Jesus is once again. This is beautiful because this is the gospel and he says, Jesus committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. Man, he was perfect. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. Oh man, but we love getting back, don't we? Sometimes it just feels good when you get somebody back, doesn't it? And then later you feel like garbage. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. It's not fair, God. What I'm going through is not fair. What's going on in my company, in my place, where it's not fair, God, but I'm gonna stand on your word. I'm gonna stand on your promises. I'm gonna stand according to my convictions and my conscience. God, I need your help. Lead me and guide me. It says, he who himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness because it's his wounds, you have been healed. You are completely healed. You are healed of your sin and the death and the devil. You are healed in every stretch of this word and this definition. And now that we know that, now that we know what we've received in Christ, now how do we express that? How do we demonstrate that? How do we live that out in the world, in the context, and the places that God has called us to serve. And that's the tension. That's the difficulty. That's why we need each other. That's why we need to gather together regularly, whether we're in person or we're watching online. That's why we need to be gathered in groups with other Christ followers so that we can say, man, my work's nuts. My family over here, crazy. Can you just pray for me? Can you help me? Can you encourage me? Let's break bread. Let's share a meal together. Get together, encourage each other. And God, man, we can't wait for the day when you come, when all of this comes to an end. Because ultimately, he ends it this way. He says, for you are straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer. Here it is again, remember what I told you? Of your souls. God is always after your heart. He is always after your heart. He is the one that has given you faith. He is the one that will continue to give you hope. He is the one who will continue to order your steps this side of heaven. Amen. So in closing, remember this. You're an alien. Congratulations. But you're also a citizen. Congratulations. And here's the really cool part about following Jesus is we get to be servants. We get to serve others. Praise God. Praise God that he finds us worthy enough to use our gifts and abilities to serve him with our time here on earth. Amen? So can we stop getting caught up in all the superficial things of this world? Stop getting so fixated on all the superficial things that take way too much of our time. And again this morning as we prepare our hearts to receive Holy Communion, focus on Jesus. Center our thoughts, our lives, our time, our energy, our money, our entire beings on the one who holds our future in his hands. Amen.